This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, I have come across a new series of books that I'm really enjoying, and there's a little bit of a story behind this, and part of the story it helps to show how hard-headed I am about things, because I like what I like, and it's hard okay. to get me into something that's kind of new. So this story goes back to Boucher Khan in Dallas, which was the first time that you and I met. And uh, I, one morning, you know how you, no, this was, this was probably lunch, where you go in and you sit down, there's a bunch of people there, and you just sit down at the table and start talking to people. And I sat down at a table of Fans of the author Lori R. King. All of them were super fans of Lori R. King. I had never, <laughs> I'd never heard of Lori R. King, was not familiar with her books, um, wasn't smart enough to ask about them, or I did, and, and then maybe they just said, oh, they're really good and explained some of the things that they liked about them, but they left out one key component. And so I never looked Which into was? her books. Well, I'll get to that. But what was the key component? Okay. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get to that. That was an open loop for those of you who were listening last week. I was just sitting here. <laughs> I was just sitting here going, oh, he's doing a storytelling thing now. <laughs> so this year at BoucherCon, I I saw a guy sitting at a table. It's like I recognize this guy. I, I somehow I know him. So I'm going to go up. And so I sat down, started talking to him. Turns out that he's a Lori R. King fan, and he had talked about they'd all gone out to dinner with Lori King uh, the night the night before. And I said, oh, I, I was at a table with you, and we talked about that. And I said, so what is it about Lori King, that, that Lori R. King, that you like so much? And it's, you know, same thing. I really like the books. I like the way she writes. I like the storytelling, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, out of left field came the name Sherlock Holmes. And I'll read anything that has Sherlock Holmes oh. in it. So that had not come okay. up three years ago or four years ago, whatever it was. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to read this. So I come home, go to the library, get the book because it's really expensive on, a on Amazon. So I get the book. I have a lot of difficulty reading regular print books at night now. I, I can only read them during the day. Yeah. So I start reading this book. And, oh, for young eyes. Huh? Yes. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love this book. So now I'm reading it at night. And <clears throat> so at night, it, like my eyes are kind of focusing and unfocusing and the light is making the pages too white and I'm having a hard time finding the words, but I keep going because I'm I'm loving it. And then I'm like three quarters of the way through it. And it's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to buy it on Amazon. So I go to Amazon and it had just went in. It just the book, the, not just the book, the first several books, maybe the whole series just went into Kindle Unlimited. So I was able to get it for free. Oh, my God. 
That's so, so awesome. Anyway, I I love this. I love the concept of this of these stories. I love the writing. I love everything about this. I love the fact that it's set in the past, which is normally not a thing of mine. But right now, there's so much stress in the world that just being able to step back in the past where there are no emails and no messages and no instant messages and no text messages and no cell phone calls. Uh, it's just so refreshing and I'm just super excited about it. So I sort of about your con recap story. That's really awesome. I love that when you find, you know, it's, it's the same way with finding TV shows or any form of entertainment that, you know, there's just so much out there. But then when you find that one thing that just clicks, it's like finding a little buried treasure. Yes. And I actually, I'll go on Amazon once or twice a year and just look for Sherlock Holmes related stuff. And I wound, I wind up reading all kinds of things. And I think I've probably seen this before, but didn't realize what it was. I just thought, oh, that's weird that that came up in my search. This is the, the, the first book I'm reading the 20th or 25th anniversary edition so it's been out there for quite some time and i've as a big sherlock holmes fan have never read it and so uh, it's very exciting so yeah you're right like finding a new tv show only better because it's books yes exactly (laughs) speaking of books you have an experience (laughs) uh you you've been writing and you have you have an experience that you want to share that relates back to episode 354 Yeah. So um, I guess if we had to call this topic anything, I don't know what I would exactly title it, but it's talking about, we're talking about my process, my writing process, because I had a very interesting experience in writing a scene that I'm working on, still working on it. And it's something I've never experienced before. And of course, where better to talk about it than on a show where that's always do is talk about writing. But anyway, this is focused more on process, right? So for to give the full picture, to really go into the whole story detail of, of this thing, to understand my normal writing process, it is normally I start with an outline. And the outline is just real bare bones, real, real sketchy. And then from there, based off of that, I will write a first draft. And the outline gives basic plot points and character sort of interactions, but there's not really any scene detail in it. And sometimes I don't even know where scenes are taking place. It'll just be like somewhere in, you know, Austria. And then I'll have to figure out where and what and how and all that what the outline is giving us is sort of like a real dot to dot map, like how to get from New York to California on this, on this interstate. And maybe you're going to stop in this city in this city, but you have no idea what's going to happen in between. The first draft process is where I start pulling all of those details in sort of sketching out the scenes and making it quasi readable but it's really more plot focused. It's not a lot of the emotional elements and the the tighter things that really make a story click. Those are missing because I've got to get the story first. I've got to understand how the pieces all come together. And that really happens in the first draft. That is my normal process. But the process for the book that I'm writing now has been very different. First of all, because 
there's been a lot, lot of stop starts along the way. You know, started it all the way back in 2015, and then I had to stop to write two other, you know, the Jack and Jill series. Then my brain broke <laughs> right when I was about to start back on it again. And there's been so much struggle just to be able to write. Vocabulary is still difficult for me to access. That the other day I I knew a word. I knew a word, and and I understood that it was like a word that is part of a list of things. Like it it indicates a list of things. And every time I would try and say the word, my brain would go inventory, and I'm like, it's not inventory. <laughs> and and I spent like I don't even know how much time like going through a thesaurus, like trying to get closer and closer and closer to this word. And I finally get the word and it's sequence, right? It's not a complicated word, but I couldn't tap into it. And we're all used to those types of things happening to us. And I think as you get older, it's just there on your tip of the tip of your tongue. It starts getting more and more. But for me, it's an extreme version of that. And it happens all the time. And I just can't find words to say what I'm trying to say. And so that has really slowed down the whole writing process. That's the second thing that's involved. And the third thing is kind of related to what I already said. As I am writing this story, I'm not just writing a full draft. As, as I get these chapters done, I post them on Patreon. So all of those of you who are supporting me on Patreon, supporting this podcast on Patreon, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who hear that message every time we start and have never looked into it, now you know one of the things you've been missing. So um, the, the updates, depending on how fast my brain works, you know, they might be pretty far spaced apart because writing is very difficult for me. It's, it's excruciating and it's slow, but I've started to pick up the pace of it. And um, I'm doing better with it because at some point I realized that doing it this way where I just write a chapter, get it to where it's readable, my standard of so, so, so readable, and then moving on, posting the next one, going back, cleaning it up, fixing it, posting it as a, you know, an update whenever I add more chapters, posting the cleanups. It was exacerbating this issue with vocabulary because when you have a solid first draft to work with then you're not really figuring out what to say anymore you've figured out the story and then you can focus on figuring out how to say it and clean up the writing that goes with it but because I was doing it this way which is really almost as close to pantsing a story as it gets, except I had some outline material, sort of an idea. It not only was I having to figure it out, but I was having to figure out how to say it at the same time that I was trying to figure it out. And it just, I, I suspected, and I, I was correct, that this was making the process more excruciating than it needed to be. And normally I wouldn't do it that way because normally I never let anybody see my work until I've got the whole story down. But this is just something that I've been doing for patrons to show like, hey, I am actually writing and I know this is taking me a long time, but thank you for your support. And I want you to see that I'm not just goofing off and, and doing nothing with it. So I took some time to stop the, the chapter by chapter thing 
and just spent time to write the story. And it wasn't really quite as in-depth as a true first draft, but I got all the pieces, got all the pieces, figured out all these things that were just hanging there in my head of, I don't really understand why this will work. Like, I know this needs to happen, but I'm not sure what happens with it. It's just all very vague in my head. And it made it difficult to know how to even move the current place that I'm in forward because I didn't know how it was going to tie together later down the road. So taking those months to get all that story together really helped. And I started again, like just started back where I left off, had to backtrack a little bit to bring the old story that where I was before into alignment with where I saw the story was going now. Had to completely overhaul some material and then keep going forward. And so I'm just on chugging away by current standards, chugging away, not by what I used to be able to do. And then I hit this scene where I needed this, you know, a way to be able to get through the city without being seen from overhead. And so that's when I started doing the research on what kind of, you know, is there some kind of underground system or something in Odessa? Uh, And then we talked about that on episode 354. And that's when I talked about how I know, mind blown, Odessa Catacombs is a whole thing about this city that I never even bothered to, to look for because I wasn't really writing about the city so much. So normally, my intent when I would find the thing that solves my little tiny little how do I write this scene problem is just get the character through it. Like, you know, a, a paragraph or two of transition, if you will to utilize whatever and make it make sense. But when you come up with something as like, are you kidding me? This is the largest underground tunnel network in the world. You don't just write and, you know, they ran through the catacombs and popped out. No, right? So I'm like, okay, you need a scene, like something. You can't just be like, oh, and then they ran away through the underground. Like, no, like, what is this thing? Is this is too, you, it's too good to just brush off as an aside? Like, you just can't. I'm having trouble expressing it, but I think you get my point. Like, what? So this was not in my outline, this whole scene, like this whole two months that I had spent putting together how all the pieces fit together. There wasn't anything in there about this. It works perfectly. It fits so well with the plot. It's just like the angels came down from heaven and said, here's some story mana, be you fed. But now I had to figure out what to do. (laughs) And so I start crafting this scene. And now comes this weirdest, interesting experience. It's something I've never experienced before. So when I'm writing characters or writing anything really, the way that it comes about, because I don't think in words, is I feel the things that the characters are feeling. And in the past, this has created some moments where I realized one of the reasons I have a hard time like just focusing and not getting away from the desk is because I'm feeling what the characters are feeling. These are very, very intense sequences. And so my adrenaline is up. My heart is racing. My own body is like having a hard time breathing because it's experiencing the emotional impact of a fight sequence or whatever. 
So a lot of times I'll just have to get up and leave, come back, try again. And it can take a while to get some of those scenes realized. And it took me years to figure out that that was going on. Like, why, why do I have such a hard time staying at my desk besides ADHD? So I was aware of it now. I, like, I know this is a thing. And I go into this scene where Monroe's dropped down into this tunnel. And she realizes she's aware of what this place is because she knows lots of stuff that I don't know. She's way smarter than me. And I start feeling what the character is feeling. And Monroe, I've written so many scenes with this character where she's been in fights and, you know, she's had bad stuff happen. And I feel it. I feel the anguish. I feel the, the heart pumping. But I don't feel fear because she is not afraid. And the, the things that she is afraid for are the people that she loves. But that's a whole different kind of emotion to feel than that instant fight or flight reflex of I'm going to die and your body starts like just responding. And I am very claustrophobic. And I like, not so claustrophobic that I can't function, but I'm very uncomfortable when driving through tunnels. I discovered this when we went to, when I was researching for the doll and I was in Europe and I drove, I didn't know I was going to be driving through this tunnel in the Alps, but it's one of the longest tunnels in the world. It's like 17 kilometers or maybe, I don't remember. It's in the double digits of kilometers long. And I didn't know I was going to be doing this. All of a sudden I'm entering a tunnel and it just keeps going and going and going. And I'm finding myself like trying to calm myself because I'm starting to have these like anxiety attack, panic attack feeling. That's when I realized, oh, I have a problem being in tunnels. And then I learned out, yeah, that also applies to MRIs and anything that has me in a tight constricted space. And I'd always known, like since I was 12, that was the first time like I somebody was telling a story about getting through a tight crawl space and I started having like heart, heart palpitations and having trouble breathing. So I've known like, oh yeah, I don't like that. I cannot watch movies that deal with space or under the ocean because of suffocation issue. Same concept. It's all tied together. And now I'm writing a scene that takes place underground in a tunnel where people die frequently because they get lost and can't get out. And it's taken me almost three weeks <laughs> to write this scene, trying to just be able to express the emotions and stick with it long enough to get past a few sentences at a time. And I'm so close. I'm so close to being done with it, which is such a relief, not just for being done with the scene, but being done with being able to move on and, and keep going. Cause it's just like, you can't spend three weeks writing a scene, much less a chapter and expect to write a story in any reasonable <laughs> length of time but that's what i that the 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 time extension i'm learning that okay i just cannot write the way that i used to because my brain doesn't work properly but this was a whole other thing because i'm like well i've never written a scene where monroe's actually truly afraid i've never seen her be that way in anything she just goes psycho so I'm like, well, I'm going to do this properly that now. I'm going to actually let her have a fear. I'm going to let her feel the claustrophobia. And it was not pleasant. <laughs> and I don't know 
if people who read the scene will be able to feel it. Because, you know, we all bring our own personal fears and biases and prejudice, everything, our own lives. We bring our own lives to the story. And if you're not somebody who's like afraid of tight spaces or or gets that panic, claustrophobic feeling, you might read it and be like, okay, and you move on. But it's my hope that anybody who does feel it will really feel it. You know, I'm, I've, I've done the best that I can do with it to not make it a joke and also not like go all melodramatic with it or, you know, hyperbolic, but to, to actually convey that sense of, of you just would do anything to be able to get out of this situation in a character who does not know what it's like to experience that because she doesn't, she doesn't know fear like that. She knows fear as just a failure to act. So that was my experience. And I'm actually having a little bit of anxiety even talking about it. But it was very interesting. You put me in a tough spot now because I I also I will have that anxiety as well. And so when I start reading it, I would typically go, all right, I'm going to skip through this part. And but now that I know that you've worked for three weeks on it, I can't. I have to read it and experience it. Well, thankfully, to those who do experience this stuff, I didn't go out of my way to drag it out or like overemphasize it. I just wanted to make sure that that the thought processes didn't get cheated. The emotional impact didn't just get cheated. And it's like, and then she went here and did this and did that or whatever, you know. So I didn't deliberately extend it out, but you're probably looking at maybe 1500 words of it. So it's not, it's not like it just goes on and on and on. And then my goal is to not have to return, maybe reference it again. It's too good not to draw back in, but not to actually show it again, because I think for me personally, once was enough. <laughs> I've experienced it. I would like to not experience it again. And but it's it's such a it's such a unique thing. Like I in all these years of writing, I've never had that happen. So how could I not talk about it? So that's what today's that that's what I got for today is talking about this experience and how it you know interacted with my process and why it was a little different than maybe it would have been if I was just rushing through first draft just to sketch out the details. And I'm actually trying to get it built out well enough that I can post it as one of the updated chapters. So yeah, now I need like, I need a drink. <laughs> Just, it's, it's intense. This will be really interesting for l- listeners who read this, because now we know that you did not plan on having this scene. So y- you, you probably planned on having some short tunnel something so that you they, you could solve the problem that you needed the tunnel yeah, to solve. The, but yeah, now you've built out this thing. complete new scene and incorporated yeah. it into your story. Uh, that'll be fun to it'll be fun to see how you did that. Well, fingers crossed on that. And I mean, while we're on the subject of you know me posting these quasi rough drafts, one of the things that okay, so there are some. Patreon supporters who know that I'm posting these updates and they're happy to see that I'm writing, but they have no interest in reading them until the story is finished. Fully respect that, totally understand why they just want it at the end, not all the two steps forward, one step backward, whatever. There is another side of Patreon supporters that really want to watch my 
writing process in progress. And I can talk about it till the cows come home here on this podcast, but it's not the same as seeing it with your own eyes. And so with these drafts that I'm doing, they get to see the changes because I'll say like, you know, all right, here's new what I posted. Here's what I changed. Here's why I changed what I changed. And the chapter that I had posted, it's at the, like, who knows how these chapters are going to be chapterized. <laughs> what, I know that's not mm. a word, but by the time this is all said and done, because sometimes I don't really know where to break a chapter until I the story is fully written. And I'm like, yeah, these two, this is too long. It needs to get broken up, whatever. So right now we'll calling it chapter 14. And the chapters are a lot longer in this story than I normally would like them to be. It's just how the story is coming together. So chapter 14, there's the chapter 14 before. I went and did this two months of getting the story and there's the chapter 14 after. And in my opinion, for those who are interested in watching my writing process, chapter 14 before and chapter 14 after are the closest example I've ever put out of what a first draft to second draft might look like. So the original chapter 14 was closer to, it reads well, enough that I'm not humiliated, just utterly humiliated by posting it, but it's nowhere near where I would want it to be. And it it's more plot driven. It's got, the points are all there, the story's there, but the emotional impact, the logic ladders, all the things that bring the, the story's theme and emotional weight together, they're very, very light, you, you, almost not even there. The next draft totally changes the focus. So even though the plot itself is mostly the same, changed a little because of all the, the story that I knew was coming down the road and I needed to bring that chapter into alignment. But it is a the closest I've ever put out of what it looks to go from a plot-driven scenes scene. I guess the whole chapter is its own scenes. Yeah, plot-driven scene to a character-driven scene. So the software, the program that I'm using to post these, these updates, it's called BookFunnel. And I'm on like the cheap, 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 cheap plan. And what this uh, site or, I, yeah, I guess it's a site, it does, is it allows you to upload books and then people can download them, you know, on their Kindle or whatever their preferred reading preferences like they're they're I want to say apps but you know some people use tablets or whatever whatever their system is whether it's in however that's how you can get it and it also lets you do pdfs for those who aren't into any of those ecosystems and so the that's how I've been doing it and then I will share the link with my patrons with a big huge please don't share this with anyone else or you will ruin it and we can no longer have nice things message to go with it because I'm just on trust it's on trust and so on this cheap cheap plan that I'm on I'm only allowed to upload five books and that means five updates so if you are one of those who's interested in seeing the before and after you've got three more updates 
before before I have to delete the one that's got the old chapter 14 on it. But I I am, you know, it's going to change again. It's not going to stay the way it is because there are more drafts to come. And once I have the entire story, I will be going through, I'm going to have to cut out so much because just looking at the size of this thing now and the way the story has grown, I'm probably going to end up with a 150,000 word monster on my hands. And I'm going to need to do a lot of cutting to bring it down to size. That's not going to be fun either. But the only way to know is to get all the way through the end. And that brings me to one final thought on the whole process part of it. And it's why maybe doing it this way, which is, you know, posting a chapter or two at a time that's quote unquote readable is not the smartest. And that's because until you have the whole story, you don't know how big it's going to be. And so as you're filling out these chapters, you don't have in mind, like, is this even important? Maybe I can skip this and leave room for something else. You just write it all. If you're doing that in a first draft, you're not investing as much time in each segment because you're just there for getting the story down, getting the story down. You'll come back and clean it up later. So if you end up coming on the second draft and going, yeah, I need to sacrifice this scene because it's just too too many words. It can, it can be cut, oh well. You haven't invested as much time into that scene as you would have if you're trying to make it not humiliating to share with an audience who's judging you as you go. So I'm probably going to end up with this 150,000 word monster in which all these scenes are so well thought out and so integrated with the rest of the story. It's going to be really, really hard to cut them, not just because of the time invested, but because of how integrated they are to the story already. So I've just made so much more work for myself by doing it this way, but doing it this way allows me to share it which allows me to receive the financial support that allows me to do it in the first place. So it's a little bit of a catch 22 situation, but I just, you know, that was something that happened to me. That's never happened to me before. It ties into this whole process of building a story. And I thought you guys would like a little peek into that. If you are interested in catching the changes or seeing what I'm working on, it's on Patreon for now. It's patreon.com Taylor Stevens. I put these updates at the cheapest, the, the lowest pledge level so that anybody who's pledging should be able to have access to them. So it's not going to break anybody's bank. Hopefully not. And yeah, that's <laughs> welcome to my life. Chaotic as it is. And just to clarify, for anyone who's not already a, a patron, it's patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that that's what I meant to say. <laughs> All right. And that is it for this week's behind the scenes episode of Taylor Writing. Thank you guys for being here and we will see you again next week. <laughs>